What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Crunch Time with Kruk. I believe it is season two, episode nine. Filming from a different location today. We are actually in the kitchen area uh, behind us. We still have the Fourth of July red, white, and blue stuff up. A very patriotic family we have here. Uh, we got a loaded episode today, so everybody stay tuned. We have Corey Castaneda coming and talking about the NBA Finals. Uh, we're part of the way through it. He's going to give us the highlights that we've already seen, plus things to look forward to. Uh, we have two Krukenbergs on this week. Andrea Krukenberg will be talking to us about her own special topic yet to be announced. And then Papa Kruk will be talking about youth sports in Northern Illinois. Brock Guzzi's back talking a little bit about MLB, a little bit about spider tack, and then as always, Tim Hackett will be wrapping it up with the NHL Stanley Cup Series, wrapping up the 4-1 win for the Tampa Bay Lightning over the Montreal Canadiens. So, before we get there, let's head back to the normal studio right now. Alright, what's up everybody? We're back to the normal, normal-ish uh, broadcasting spot for Season 2. Um... We got a lot of stuff going on that we got to talk about. This past weekend was pretty full of stuff. We had the ESPYs. We had the McGregor fight. We had Wimbledon Championship. We got the Euro Cup Championship. We got the John Deere Classic. The All-Star Games coming up. We got a lot of stuff that we need to cover. So, we're just going to hop right into it one section at a time. We're going to start off with basketball. The NBA Finals are going on right now. The Phoenix Suns currently hold a 2 to nothing lead over the Milwaukee Bucks. And I, as mentioned, I'm a new Milwaukee Bucks fan, but I've been calling the Suns since day one of the finals. Not even the finals, of the playoffs. I thought the Suns were going to be a hard team to beat, and they're really showing it right now. So uh, I'm not going to get too much into it. We're going to send it over to Corey. Corey, what do you got? Let us know everything you need to know. Thanks for having me back on the show for some more NBA talk. We have the NBA playoffs, the finals matchups, they're underway. Suns versus Bucks. In game one, we had the Suns win it 118-105. Devin Booker had 27 points. Chris Paul had a big 32 points. Giannis had 20 points. Chris Middleton had 29 points. And Drew Holiday had 10. I like to include Drew Holiday in these stats because he's a pretty big role player for the Bucks. I think he makes a big difference with them and how they play and if they win or not. I think he's a big difference for them, so that's why I include him. In Game 2, the Suns won 118-108. to 108. Devin Booker had 31 points. Chris Paul had 23. Michaela Bridges had 27. It was a pretty big game from him. He's usually a role player, but he stepped up big time this one. Giannis had 42 points. That was pretty big for him. And Chris Middleton had 11, and Drew Holiday had 17. I think that for the Bucks. And Giannis, I think he's kind of being held down with his teammates. Chris Middleton's a little inconsistent. Sometimes he'll score 20 points or 30 points. Sometimes he'll score almost 10. So I think it's all about for the Bucs is finding that balance with Chris Middleton and Giannis having to play well together. I think for them to win the series, they'll definitely need Chris Middleton to step it up. And they'll also need Drew Holiday to step it up. He did pretty good with the points in Game 2. But he's a little inconsistent sometimes. I think if he can get to a higher level of consistency, then the Bucks can potentially steal a game and make this series even at 2-2. Cam Johnson, I've noticed in these games, he's hit a couple shots. 
that have made the crowd into it, brought the crowd, got them involved. I think that's important for the Suns because they don't have what's considered the star power from a lot of NBA fans. So I think if they can get the fans involved, and that'll definitely help them as far as the games. I'm going to go back and look at the stats for this one. DeAndre Ayton had 22 points and 19 rebounds in Game 1. He had 10 points and 11 rebounds in Game 2. I often forget to include him in the stats. I think that's because he scores his points very quietly, but he's very efficient and he gets a lot of rebounds for the Suns and helps with second chance opportunities. It's also pretty good and he throws it out to Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and they can restart the play. I think if, De if DeAndre Ayton can get the rebounds this series, it'll be easier for the Suns to win the series. Another thing for the Bucks to get back in the series, I think, is I think Giannis should shoot less three-pointers. So far he is 20% from three this series. I think that that almost takes away from his games. Like in game two, he scored 42 points, and he went, went one for five from three. I think that almost takes away from his game. And I think that for the Bucks win, they're going to have to take more, like, better efficient shots and better higher percentage shots. Milwaukee really brought in the first quarter, and that first half of the first quarter, they really hammer, went out and hammered the Suns right away. I think if they can sustain that and keep that for the whole game, then they should be good to get back in the series as far as getting back like to the series tied. For the Suns, I'd continue to play how they did in the first two games. I'd also try to come with it in the first quarter. They tend to play behind a bit. I think they can get the first quarter lead right away and that can just get their lead even bigger and be able to play the players that don't usually play much. If they can do that, I think that might almost be demoralizing for the Bucks, and the Suns will have an easier win. Moving on to the ratings aspect of this finals. They're up from last year's finals. I think that's pretty good. I think a lot of people want to watch it to see if Chris Paul is able to win the championship this year. I think that since you have two stars that are really young and Devin Booker and Giannis that are leading the finals, I think that it'll only be up next year if one of them are in it in it the next year. But either way, I think this is a pretty good series, and I'll be I'll definitely continue watching it. Great stuff as always, Corey. You know we're all definitely going to be watching it. By the way, these facts are accurate as of Sunday, July 11th at 3.30 p.m. Novak Djokovic has a record-tying win as he wins the Wimbledon once again, making it his 20th Grand Slam. So, I mean, the, the guy's doing really good right now. And his 20th Grand Slam, a feat that levels him with Roger Freder. So, I mean, <laughs> those two are up there. They're going to be hard to touch forever. Wimbledon now over. Moving forward to another European thing. The Euro 2020 finals. And fans tried to storm Wembley before the Italy versus England match. And that was... That's something crazy. You know, here in the United States, we think that football is one of the biggest sports. Or basketball or baseball but soccer is a huge sport around the world football soccer huge sport around the world and there are people trying to break into this championship cup and looking at it right now uh the live score right now it's tied at one italy just scored around the 68th minute and 
it's tied 1-1. I personally, I think England's going to win it. I, I'm a huge fan of England. You know, I haven't been watching them as much as other sports, but I do believe that England is going to have the better chance here against Italy because England's been in it a, quite a lot, like a very long time. They've been doing really good. So I think they're going to take it. I think it's going to be close. I mean, it's one to one right now, so it's definitely going to be close. But I don't think, I don't think anybody's going to really separate themselves. I don't believe it's going to go down to uh, penalty kicks. You know, extra extra kicks at the end. But it's going to be a two one game, uh, and I believe England's going to win it. Now that we talked about that, we're going to send it to Papa Kruk, who's actually got something interesting to talk about. It's not really a national stage; it's more of a niche. Uh, a niche type sport age but Papa Crook take it away hey Papa Crook coming to you here from the backyard again uh, I want to talk on another one of my favorite subjects youth sports I got the opportunity to go down to Belvedere Illinois to watch the Belvedere youth baseball um, I watched the 8U boys it was the Edwards Apple Orchard team um, out of North Boone Illinois uh, coached by Trevor Olson my wife's cousin um, got to watch the boys. They finished uh, finished the season ten and four, uh, going on a seven-game winning streak to finish the season. Uh, and their four losses were a to by a total of six runs. Uh, they ended up tied for third for their league. Um, it's just fun to watch kids play. You know, kids go out there, and if they strike out or if they make a mistake. They don't pout. They don't put their heads down. They don't slam their bats on the ground. Much better than watching Major League Baseball and the overpaid crybabies that play MLB. Um, a few highlights from the game I got to watch. Uh, start the game out. Uh, Edwards, the Apples were in the field. And the first, first play was a pop-up to third base. Carter Turley grabbed it. Perfect. He, uh, Got a little golden glove going. He had a little action to him. Kind of remind me of a young Javi Baez. Um, next play was a ground ball to Braden Greyer. Picked it up at second base. Scooped it over to Paxton Larson at first for a routine 4-3 putout. It was just it was fun to watch these kids. They got they got out there. They played. They had fun. They were talking to the other kids. Um, it was just it was great. Uh, inning ended. Now the apples are up with bat. Uh, David, and I hope I say this name right, David Turnrose, he was 5 for 5 in the game. And come to find out, talking with the coaches, he was 17 for 20 in the last four games. What a, I mean, that, that guy, you better sign him up now. Um, leading RBI uh, producer on the team is Uriah Halstead. Uh, he comes through when the team needs him. Got a nice little bat, a little quick on the bases. Good little ball player. Um, other players that I got to watch, and they and again, these kids just, they never put their heads down. They never complain. Uh, and I know I'm going to miss a lot of them because I didn't, I don't know a lot of their names, but Gavin Peck, uh, Garrett Squires, uh, Hayden Olson, um, there was a Henry Morlock. These, these kids just went out there, they played, they had a good time, the coaches were cheering, they got all done, uh, they shook the other team's hands, they come running off, they got a little team treat, 
It was just fun to watch them. Now, today's Saturday, and they started their tournament yesterday. Or I'm sorry, they started their tournament Thursday. They won their first game in the tournament, and they play today. And unfortunately, I didn't make it down to the game. So hopefully, Jake will give you a or Jacob will give you a update of how they did today. Um, but again, they were seated third in the tournament. And good luck to the Apples of North Boone and go team. And honestly, it, it's so awesome to see kids, you know, little being able to play sports that, you know, adults play. And it's awesome. Unfortunately, they did end up losing in the semifinals. They lost 10 to 8. They went into the last inning with the lead 7 to 6. So it's heartbreaking to see that happen, but at the same time, there's always next year. These, you know, these little guys, they aren't going to be done. They're going to play hard and they're going to play to win. So next year, it's definitely going to be their year. And by the way, I did get to catch up with them as you look right here. They're an awesome group of kids. Uh, that's Uriah and Hayden. So along with their sisters in there as well. And then my parents behind me. Uh, it's an awesome group of kids. They have a lot of potential, a lot of talent moving forward. Their coach, Trevor Olson, is a really good coach. Um, Well-rounded person. His throwing needs a little bit of work. Uh, sometimes he pitches like, you know, 2020 Jake Arrieta. But, I mean, he's a great coach, great coach. Just, you know, I'm just messing around with him. Uh, moving forward in the golf world, Bubba Watson uh, has identified as a COVID-19 close contact and will have to be pulled from the open. And this is getting out of hand, folks. Earlier, there was a person who was, you know, pulled out of a tournament a while back after the third round concluded because he had a close contact. Now Bubba Watson's being pulled because of a close contact. If you're playing a professional sport like this and you don't want to worry about close contact and whatnot, get the vaccine. Like, it's easy enough to say it. Just, you know, get the vaccine, be done with it. If you don't believe in the vaccine, you don't believe in, you know, all that stuff, just take it easy. I mean, Bubba Watson's got enough money. He doesn't have to win the Open. But at the same time, he loves playing golf. He loves doing all this. So for every time you do something, you have to think about the causes and the effects that it's going to make. You have to be able to play it smart and safely. Safe is the huge word here, especially in 2020 when anything can go wrong. We've got huge heat waves hitting the west coast of America right now. California, Oregon, Washington, some parts of Montana and Idaho just getting absolutely blazed to death, 114 degrees. So 2020 was a pretty bad year with COVID and whatnot. 2021 hasn't let up yet. So make sure you keep your head on straight and, you know, try your hardest to be everything you can. Uh, we're going to head over to Tim Hackett. Hacksaw Hackett has got the last installment of NHL Hockey Talk. So, Tim, what do we need to know about Tampa Bay taking it all? For just the second time in this century, the NHL has a repeat winner. The Tampa Bay Lightning are the 2021 Stanley Cup champions. Hey, Crockett, it's Tim Hackett in Kansas City. Thanks, as always, for having me on the show. The Lightning defeat the Montreal Canadiens in five games. Second straight cup for the Lightning. Their third cup in franchise history, all coming this century. And before we get to the more measured analysis here in a minute, I want to give you my blunt reaction to this series, which is that, frankly, 
this is the way this series should have gone. I figured Tampa was going to win it in short order because I thought that Tampa Bay was just loads better than Montreal in just about every facet of the game straight up. Man on man, pound for pound, whatever you want to say, I thought the Lightning were just loads better as a team than the Canadians were. We talk about forwards and forward depth, defense and defense depth, and goaltending. The five key elements of any just roster build, Tampa Bay had the decisive edge, and it showed over the balance of this series. But Montreal, to their eternal credit, they got to the cup final by continuing to exceed expectations and defy odds. We've talked about this before on the show. Remember, in a normal year, in a typical playoff construction, Montreal probably doesn't even make the field in the first place. They were a really average or even a worse-than-average team in the regular season in a lot of ways. But when you get to the postseason, a lot of the times, as you continue to see in the NHL, you can throw those regular season performances, the regular season numbers, completely out the window. Montreal got extremely hot. They got great depth scoring, fantastic goaltending, and they got all the way to the cup final. They beat teams that were better than them on paper consistently to get there. They beat Toronto in the first round. I said Toronto was going to walk that series. Montreal wins it in seven. They beat Vegas in the third round. Vegas was clearly a better team in the regular season than Montreal was, but it didn't matter. They still won that series. And they beat Winnipeg in the second round. Now, Winnipeg without Mark Shifley looked like a very average team, but Montreal still swept the Jets, which I did not expect by any means. So Montreal continued to exceed expectations and defy odds just to get to the cup final. It's been so long since a team from Canada has even been in the cup final, let alone win a Stanley Cup. And for some reason, it was this team that finally got there. But when they got there, they ran into a juggernaut in the Tampa Bay Lightning, the reigning cup champs, so they have the experience and the pedigree. They were playing extremely well. Their goaltender is playing about as well as we've seen him play, and they got tremendous scoring depth all postseason, and especially in the final. And that, to me, is the biggest reason, the biggest advantage, the two biggest advantages, the goaltending and the offensive depth for Tampa compared to Montreal. Now, we talked about last week on the show, Carey Price and the Montreal defense needed to be loads better for Montreal to have any chance to even win a game in the series or to even think about winning the series. Dom Ducharme in Montreal made a bunch of changes, three in fact, between games three and four to his lineup, and those changes worked, uh, paid immediate dividends. Carey Price was loads better in games four and five, and the defense around him was tons better. Look at it like this. I mean, we talked about this last week. Tampa Bay scored 14 goals in the first three games of the series against Montreal. They only scored three over the last two. But one of those games was an overtime loss, and the other of those games was a one nothing win. Yet another one-goal win for Tampa. They had six of those in this postseason. That shows to me that this team has completely reinvented itself from the identity that it professed a couple of years ago, where they were this big, bombastic, dynamic scoring team. They were the lightning, right? I don't know if that was the conscious plan, but it just seemed to fit the brand so well. They, they were flashy. They were energetic. They were dynamic. They scored a lot. They wanted to win games 6-3, to three, things like that. This was the, the peak of the Steven Stamkos era where he was contending for the Rocket Richard Trophy as the league's top goal scorer and all this stuff. They were just this electric offense, and they can still do that. We've seen them do that. They put up eight goals against the New York Islanders, a great defensive team in the third round, remember? But this team can win defensive games. They can win with great goaltending and great team defense and clutch goal scoring, and we saw that time and time again 
in this postseason. That is not something we saw from the Tampa Bay Lightning, even with a lot of the same faces like Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, Victor Hedman, all of these guys that have been around from the last era of great Tampa Bay Lightning teams to this era, the ultimate great team back-to-back -back Stanley Cup champions, the 17th time in NHL history that a franchise has won at least two titles in a row. And you get the sense, you love to say that a team's not done yet, but you get the sense from hearing this team talk that they realize that their window might be closed. What I mean by that is, is that John Cooper, the Tampa Bay Lightning head coach, he said this on the ice immediately following, immediately during the trophy presentation. He said, well, you know, we didn't really want to talk about this publicly, but we know that our time together as a unit is just about ended. The whole issue that Tampa had with the salary cap and all the hoopla around that, some deserved over the course of this postseason run with Nikita Kucherov technically putting Tampa Bay over the salary cap for the postseason. The only reason that's relevant is because they know that they're not going to be able to afford all of these players in the future. This core is going to have to be blown up. It looked like it might have to be blown up before this season, but they were able to maneuver some things, and Kucherov was straight up hurts. That allowed them to extend this window just a little bit. But they realize that the end is nigh for all of them playing together. But even with so much consistency, so much holdover from last season's cup final team to this season's cup championship team, how fitting is it that in a one nothing game, another shutout for Andre Vasilevsky, he earned a shutout in all four series-clinching games this year. He's now got five straight series-clinching shutouts. He's the Conn Smythe Trophy winner as MVP of the playoffs. But how fitting is it in this game five, in a one nothing win, the two guys who ultimately combined on that goal, David Savard with the assist and Ross Colton with the goal, are pretty much the only two guys who did not play last season. Savard is a midseason acquisition from Columbus, and Ross Colton is a rookie who I was super impressed with. I think he's going to have a great future with this team and in the league. Those two guys did not lift the cup last year with Tampa, and they directly are two of the biggest reasons why they lifted it in 2021. It's been a pleasure, Kruk. Thanks so much for having me. I hope that you guys all enjoyed following along the Stanley Cup run this year. Hope to have made a couple of hockey fans out of you listeners back home and looking forward to talking to you in the future. I've been Tim Hackett. So long. Thanks, Tim. I love the shirt. Looking professional. It looks like you should have been holding the Stanley Cup trophy with that nice playoff beard you're rocking there. Uh, before we get too much more um, into more, you know, other things, we're going to start with baseball. Baseball, you know, baseball is America's sport, and a huge player right now has been injured. Atlanta Braves, Ronald Acuna Jr., vows he will return from his torn ACL stronger than ever. That's a headline from ESPN, and the article was written by Bradford Doolittle. And, I mean, the guy, the guy is great. He's a great outfielder, whether it's left field, center field, or right field. Uh, he went for a jumping catch, and then when he landed, it looked like he landed very awkwardly, and he was grabbing at that right leg. So best of luck to him. He was carted off the field. He did walk on it a little bit, but it was it was extreme pain. And nobody likes to see somebody go down on an ACL tear especially because ACLs, you can't move side to side. You cannot press off of it laterally without your ACL. And that's something that you need 
in any sport because there is no sport in which you run perfectly straight. Even track sprinters, right? Even the 100-yard dash track sprinters, they need their ACL because when they first come off the blocks, they're bounding wider, and then they go into a full sprint. It's, it's hard to see, especially if you're an Atlanta Braves fan, but it's hard to see if you're any kind of fan because you don't want to see a star player go down, especially when it's a beloved star player who hasn't really done anything terrible in his career, you know? Players like Manny Machado, he's a star player. Every Padres fan loves him. Some Orioles fan loves him. Some Dodgers fans. But it's like people love Manny Machado, but they don't all love him because he's kind of a dirty player. You know, people love Trevor Bauer because he's a great pitcher, but people don't love Trevor Bauer because he's outgoing and kind of arrogant. You know, this guy, Ronald Acuna Jr., he's had maybe two arrogant home run hits, and that was about it. I mean, the dude's just a wholehearted baseball guy. The 2021 MLB All-Star Game lineups, schedules, analysis, and home run derby field is currently live on ESPN. Um, if you want to look it up, you can be able to find it on the ESPN homepage. Uh, looking at the rosters right now, the NL starters are looking really good because, personally, as a Brewer fan, we got a lot of Brewers players pitching. Brandon Woodruff is actually going to sit out the game. Freddie Peralta will be a replacement for him. And then another pitcher for the Brewers, Corbin Burns, is going to be pitching as well. And out of the bullpen will be Josh Hader. Looking at the American League pitchers, they have Shane Bieber, who is sitting out. Garrett Cole will be pitching. Lance Lynn for the Sox will be pitching. And then Carlos Rodon will be pitching as well. The actual lineup as it looks, uh, the NL goes Freddie Freeman at first, Adam Fraser at second, Tatis at third, Arenado at third. Uh, Buster Posey was going to catch, but now he's going to sit it out. Uh, Acuna Jr. was going to play outfield, now he's going to have to sit out. Nicholas Castellanos in the outfield, and then Jesse Winker, both are Cincinnati Reds. And replacing them, I do believe it is... If I can find it here, one of them will be, I believe one of them will be Kyle Schwarber. Yes. Kyle Schwarber made it, Juan Soto made it, and Chris Taylor. So, a lot of, lot of good names still on the NL side. On the AL side, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first, Mark Simeon, Marcus Simeon at second, Xander Bogarts, shortstop, Raphael Devers at third, so the Left side of the infield is the Red Sox. Behind the plate, Salvador Perez, as I'm rocking the Royals jersey. Trout was going to be in the outfield, but he can't do it anymore. Uh, Aaron Judge in the outfield, and then Teoscar Hernandez will be in the outfield. And then DHing slash pitching is uh, Otani, Shohei Otani, which that was an easy one to see. So one of the outfield backups for uh, the pit the play for Mike Trout will probably be um, Joey Gallo with the Rangers, who will also be in the 
home run derby. So good luck to him. And that's about it for that. The home run derby is set, and it looks like it's going to be a doozy. Shohei Otani is number one. Joey Gallo, number two. The rest of the league is filled out. You know, the rest of the teams are filled out. But something you really got to look at, Tatis Jr. doesn't want to be in the home run derby. I don't know about that one. That's a close call. But while we got this time, we're going to send it over and wrap it up with Andrea Krukenberg. So take it away, Andrea. All right. So before we get to the interview with Andrea Krukenberg, I forgot we have one more special guest, Brock Guzzi. Brock, take it away on what I missed about baseball. How's it going, everybody? Um, Brock again, talking a little bit of baseball. Um, you know, we've been talking about spider tech and, you know, the issues with pitchers a lot this year, um, which is one of uh, probably the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest talking point of the year. The biggest stories have come from it. But, you know, this weekend, uh, I think it's good to shift a little bit and focus on what's actually going to be, you know, some of the baseball that we're going to be able to see coming up in Colorado and Coors, Fier- Coors Field and All-Star Weekend. Um Obviously, All-Star Weekend is one of the most fun uh, parts of the year in the baseball season. Uh, you know, best players in the world getting together, showcasing uh, their their talents, uh, best pitchers in the world, best hitters in the world. You got some of the best home run hitters in the world in the home run derby. Uh, you know, the Futures game is tomorrow. Um, so, you know, it's, it's um, one of the most exciting points of the baseball season just to have all that talent in one place playing at the same time. You know, one of the guys that has kind of taken the league by storm, not even kind of, he's taken the league by storm. He's one of the best pitchers, one of the best hitters. It's Shohei Otani. You know, you don't have to, you know, say anything else about it. He's, you know, has 33 home runs now. He's 4-1, and one, I want to say, with a sub-4 ERA. Made the uh, all-star game as a pitcher and a hitter. He's going to be hitting in the home run derby. That's what I'm most excited about. You know, Shohei is going to put on a show this weekend. You know, I, you'd like to think. He's the home run derby. He's, he's the favorite in my eyes. And I think most uh, Vegas books have him as a favorite too. He, you know, there's been some uh, footage of him hitting home, like taking batting practice in Coors Field from a couple of years ago. And he was hitting balls into the third deck um, in right field, into right center field over the bullpens. Not even down the line. Third, right center field, center field, hit him into the third deck. He is, he's the real deal. I don't, you know, I'm not the person that has to tell you that. I think his play has shown it. Uh, you know, some of the other contestants in the home run derby, you got Matt Olson, You got Trey Mancini, who's a really good story. Uh, he beat cancer, and now he's playing in the home run derby last year. He was the AL Comeback Player of the Year. Um, Juan Soto, he, I think Juan Soto and uh, Shohei are the two that are matching up. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure those are the two that, uh, that's the first round matchup, Shohei and uh, Juan Soto. Which, I mean, that, you know, Shohei might have a tough time out of that first round. So Juan Soto is nothing to sneeze at. He's also one of the most exciting players in baseball. He hasn't had quite the year as, uh, you know, maybe as expected, but he's still one of the premier home run hitters in the league. Um, you know, one of the guys that we will be missing from the All-Star game is Ronald Acuna Jr., which is tragic, obviously, what happened to him. Um, you know, had got a little banged up on an inside-the-park home run by the Mar- – I forgot who hit it for the Marlins, but, you know, ran into the wall, tore his ACL. He's going to be done for the year. 
which is, you know, terrible for the game of baseball. He's been one of the storylines, him, Tatis, Shohei, you know, they're kind of becoming the faces of baseball. And, uh, you know, injuries like that, you know, you never know how he's going to come back. But Acuna is a freak in nature. He's young. So I'm sure he'll come back roaring when he's back. But, you know, you just don't want to see that. And the Braves had a tough year. Um, you know, they were supposed to have the All-Star game. It got moved to Colorado. They've had Soraka injuries, everything that's happened around Marcelo Zuna. Um, not not great times in Atlanta right now, but you know, they still got a lot of they still got a lot of young guys to build around. And uh, you know, one of the other big talking points of the All-Star game is the you know, the two guys from Houston that are deciding not to, you know, not to go. And um, you know, you don't want to speculate, but Carlos Correa, he's not going, you know, because he said he wanted to focus on the team, you know, get rested up. Same with Altuve. Correa also has a pregnant wife. So, you know, you don't want to bash the guys too much, but you really think about it. The two players on the Astros, for the first time, will have to be in the same clubhouse as their peers. Um, you know, you don't really know how that's going to be handled within the clubhouse. There's going to be... 20 something other guys in there and guys that you cheated against to beat out for the world series. I mean, I, that can't be a, you know, that had to have crossed their mind. Um, I know that a lot of other, uh, you know, baseball journalists and people involved in the baseball world are saying the same thing that, you know, as much as this could just be, I want to rest, I want to rest, you know, stay with the family at the same time, the situation that they're in, the, that had to have come up and crossed their minds at some point. What would have been really interesting to see is if, if you know, Bragman made the all-star team and, you know, maybe Yuli, even Yuli Gurriel, if those two even would have dropped out. Because, you know, if four of them are gone, then then you kind of know the true intentions behind that. But, you know, I think, I, in my personal view, it seems I think that they were, uh, you know, kind of trying to avoid confrontation maybe if that were to happen. Um... You know, other than that, though, that's kind of the, the short wrap-up of the All-Star break happening this weekend. I'm really excited. Like I said, my, my, my eyes will mainly be on Shohei Otani. I mean, he's doing something we've never seen before. He's, I mean, doing what Babe Ruth did, and we never thought we'd see another Babe Ruth. So this is a really special time in baseball, and this weekend could be really memorable. So well, We're here with Andrea Krukenberg, uh, joined with, as always, just normal croc. Andrea, what is the topic that you're going to talk about? Um, today's topic is sunscreen and how and when to reapply it for outside sports. So, you know, I usually just put on sunscreen once, go outside, and no matter how long I'm out there, I'm out there. What is, like, how often should you put on sunscreen when doing activities in sports? That's a really good question. Um, most people actually re um, apply it wrong. And they forget to reapply it. So you should put on your sunscreen a half hour and before you go outside. You're supposed to let it dry and really soak in your skin before you um, let your skin soak in all that sun. So, and then depending on the SPF of the sunscreen, you should reapply it by that. So, for example, I use SPF 30. So every half hour I reapply sunscreen. Now, for that reappliance, you don't have to wait for it to dry. Just if you're already outside, I let it dry the first time, half hour, go outside. Um, half hour later, I reapply it, you, then you're good to go. Um, so if you use SPF 50, then you can reapply it every 50 minutes. 
And this um, really just makes the sun... You still get a tan. I When I tan, I don't put oil on. I put sunscreen on. Um, and it keeps your skin um, fresh and young and rejuvenated. So... Are you a rub-on sunscreen person, or are you more of a spray bottle kind of sunscreen person? I prefer the spray-on sunscreen. It's a lot easier to apply and um, get it all over, and you don't have those streaks when you're tanning or when you're playing softball and you have the softball tan line. You can get it all over really quickly. Springing up tan lines, uh, we've had several people in the comments actually ask. Um, Evola University's very own uh, Sean Sumi rocks one of these during the spring uh, farmer tan lines are those in this year or are those out um i think farmer tan lines are always in um i think no matter you're a farmer an athlete if you just work outside i think tan lines are going to happen and that's who you are i mean i played softball for probably 10 plus years and i always had a suntan line just the way it is so when you're outside playing sporting events, I know some sports, softball, most of them wear visors. Baseball, it's a baseball hat. You know, fishing, you can wear the fishing hat or the floppy hat. What is the go-to hat for a spectator at any event? What hat would you like to see them wearing? Uh, tricky question. I probably would prefer the baseball hat. Um, I think on younger guys, I think baseball hats are cute, especially if they're backwards like you're wearing right now. Um I do prefer the rounded bill over the straight bill. Um, I think once someone is like 40, 50 years old, I think a floppy hat works great, covers their ears more, um, more protection over the skin. Um, a visor works too. I with, I have a lot of hair, so I throw it up in a bun, I'll wear a visor or a baseball hat. Um, it just depends what you're out there for, I think. Um, but yeah, I would prefer a baseball hat if I'm looking for attractive guys. So I go to Avila University and, you know, I give them a shout out once in every three or four episodes. I know you go to William Penn University in Oskaloosa, Iowa. What are the sporting teams that people need to be on the lookout for in the upcoming seasons for uh, William Penn? Um, upcoming seasons for William Penn are crazy. Uh, we got a new bas- women's basketball coach. We got a new lacrosse coach, um, new women's soccer coach. We got new coaches all around. I would personally look out for our men's basketball team. They're always ranked in the top five nationally. Um, our men's soccer team also went to the national tournament this year and did very well in Florida. Um, our softball team and baseball team are always pretty high up on there as well. So just keep a good lookout. Um, I really don't know much about lacrosse, but I know our men's and women's lacrosse teams are both pretty good. Um, so I'm interested to see what our new women's lacrosse coach does. So thank you very much for being on the show. This has been Crunch Time with Cruck. Uh, the podcast and show is available on YouTube. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe. It's available on Apple Podcast as well as Spotify Podcast, Anchor.fm, and anywhere else you find your podcast. And just remember, if you get pocket rockets and poker, don't go all in right away. This is Jacob Krugenberg, Andrea Krugenberg, signing off. We'll see you next time.